listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. Well, good morning. As Roger said, we're looking at some songs in the Bible uh, before this Christmas. And today we're going to be looking at Mary's uh, song, uh, usually known as the Magnificat. So before we do that, I'll invite you to close your eyes and we'll pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you that you would open our hearts to your word. Please send your spirit to us so that it would work in us and transform us to be more like Jesus. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, these words, Mary's song, um, they're pretty famous words. Uh, we actually sung them today, and we sing them regularly here at St. Stephen's. Ba- the hymn we sang at the beginning, Tell Out My Soul, is based on them. Her words have inspired artists and musicians across history. Uh, the list of musicians that have composed with her words is really long, and it includes people like Monteverdi, Vivaldi, Rachmaninoff, Anton Bruckner, and so on. And, you know, we probably have access to just a few of the ones that have actually been composed. If you like classical music, and if you've ever been to a concert, you might have heard them being sung, although in Latin, so if you're like me, you made no sense of them. You just heard them and said, oh, that sounds nice. And, yeah, so they're pretty famous words. It did actually cross my mind this week to sing a small part of the beginning of John Rutter's version of the Magnificent, but no, decided against it. The singing on the piano is enough for today. Um, Mary's words have offered hope to people under oppression through the years also. They speak of change, they speak of something happening, and they remind people of what God can do in their lives how he keeps his promises, how he has kept them, and how he can satisfy the hungry and lift up the humble. Now, if you push this idea a bit further, uh, you end up with things that aren't that good, such as uh, liberation theology. I don't know if you've heard about that. It was a Roman Catholic movement in Latin America in the second half of the 20th century. And it was basically an interpretation of the Christian faith through the eyes of the poor what they suffer, how they struggle, and where are their hopes. Um, It's a big critique of society and the Catholic faith through the eyes of the poor. So Mary's song and other texts of the Bible were actually used to justify this movement. Um, And lots of people have actually described the movement as a Christianized version of Marxism. So, you know, Mary's words are pretty big. They've done a, a few things through history. Personally, as I read them this week, um, I couldn't help being reminded about The Lord of the Rings. I'm not a big fan of The Lord of the Rings, but I've read it. And Mary's words have this vibe of something epic going on, something big. Uh, There's promises to ancestors, there's scattering and bringing down of people, there's things happening from generation to generation to generation, and the description of somebody that seems to fit Middle Earth. He's merciful, he's done mighty deeds, but he's holy. So, what is Mary actually saying? 
I'd like you to keep your Bibles open, Luke chapter 1, as we're going to look around the context of her song and try to map out what she's actually saying, what has happened to her that she would produce a song like this. And, you know, we've probably all heard this story at some point, right? Um, either we've read it in the Bible or we've heard it or at Christmas and it comes out even on TV sometimes. Mary has just been visited by the angel Gabriel, who was sent by God. And the angel has just informed Mary that she's going to be a mum and the circumstances of this are going to be a bit different to most people and that the baby is going to be a pretty outstanding one. Please read with me verses 28 to 33 in your Bibles. It says, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greetings this might be. But the angel said to her, Mary, do not be afraid. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So, just a few things to take into mind of the context. The baby is going to be an outstanding one. It's not any old baby. Um, Look at the names the angel gives him. Great, son of the Most High, given the throne of David. So it's something pretty impressive, somebody pretty impressive. So, with this background in mind, the promise of Jesus being born... I think we can better understand Mary's song. She's talking about this event and how it would be a turning point in history, how it's an event that will impact and change society forever. And finally, it's a deeply personal event. It changed her life for good and has the power to change our lives. So let's look at these three things. A turning point in history, a change for society, but also a personal event. Um, The first thing I'd like to point out is that her words, what she actually says, are words from the Old Testament, based on the Old Testament. She's led by the Spirit. She sings words that are sung in the Old Testament to praise God. People like Moses and Miriam in the book of Exodus, Deborah in Judges, and especially Hannah in 1 Samuel, which was the Old Testament we read early on. Sorry. And in a way what Mary is saying is that the promise of Jesus coming to be born is one that has a big background to it. She's acknowledging a big history behind her. God has been acting through history, being merciful to his people. Um, He's redeemed them from slavery. He's saved them from the people around them. He's provided for their physical needs. Again and again, God has been merciful. But this time, the lyrics are a bit different. None of the Old Testament songs have such a clear turning point in history as Mary's song has. Uh, They all sing of works God has done. Yes, they all praise him. But the impact of his works is not necessarily one that will affect generation to generation. Mary, in a way, is understanding, or trying to understand, that Jesus being born 
is the major act of God in redeeming his people for himself, sending his son to die on the cross. Her clear words, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. God is acting in a decisive way in history for the good of his people by sending Jesus in human form to save humanity. It's interesting that Mary, although she remembers how God has acted in the past by using words of the Old Testament, her words are also probably referring to Jesus actually being conceived. Um, because she has seen in history God promising and acting, she can now say from the promise that God has acted. Now that's faith, isn't it? Faith in God's words. From a promise, she states things as if they have already happened. The angel's words there in verse 37, you might want to look it up, must have caught Mary's attention and come back to mind over and over again as she travelled to see her cousin Elizabeth. They say, for no word of God will ever fail. No word of God will ever fail. How hard is it for us to trust today in God's promises? Although we have the Bible, we can see how God has acted in a final way through Jesus and we keep on doubting his word. That's what at least usually happens to me. It's so hard to live that out in our daily lives, isn't it? What would our lives look like if our faith in God's sovereignty over our lives were reflected in our daily decisions? What would our church look like if we all lived considering this reality? So, Jesus coming to be born is a turning point in history. Mary's recognising that. She also sees it as something that will impact society and change it forever. Mary, by pointing to just a few people groups, uh, includes all of humanity. So there's the proud in their most thoughts and the humble. Everyone fits in one of those two categories. There's the have and the have not, the ones that go hungry. Um, no one can escape the fact that Jesus came to die on the cross. In a way, what is happening is that there's a new age beginning. Society is now divided in, in two groups. Those who trust in Jesus and those who don't. Those who believe that he is the son of God and that his kingdom will have no end. And those who ignore or prefer to ignore that reality. Jesus has come to change society for good. Although it is important to say that it's not encouraging Mary's not encouraging uh, changing society in our own hands, you know, a social revolution. Her song is, is one of change and it has provided hope to many people that are going through tough times. But did you notice who does everything in the song? It's God. He has done great things. He has extended mercy. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. 
He has scattered the proud. He has brought down rulers. He has lifted the humble, filled the hungry, and sent away the rich empty. It's pretty impressive. Exciting as it can be to turn hands on to do social justice today. Mary is calling us here to understand what God has done. And really her song points that God is against those who are proud and take power into their hands, isn't it? It's a change for society, but we are not to take charge of that change. It's God who does it. Finally, what I'd like us to consider today is how this event of Jesus coming to, to be born and live as a human is a personal event. Um, for Mary, it must have been deeply personal. You know, babies are a life-changing event. Those of us who have been blessed with children know that there's now someone to share, to talk to, to laugh with, to show the world to. Um, and we are suddenly impressed by things that we usually don't really like, like burps and stuff like that. Uh, personally, we found ourselves celebrating uh, Daniel's first wee in the potty last week. So, of all the things possible to celebrate, I'd never considered that. Um, yeah, but babies are personal. Uh, change your personal situation. And for Mary, it must have been very deeply. No wonder she bursts into this amazing song, right? Now, for you and I, uh, I don't think an angel is going to come and say, you're going to be, you know, have a son, you're going to call him Jesus. Yeah, that's not going to happen, right? God has acted in Jesus for good. Um, but there are a few things that I'd like you to consider from what happens to Mary and from her reactions to what happens. They're all personal things. First one is that Mary finds favour, grace with God. It's interesting that it is mentioned twice in the Gospel. The angel is stressing a point. Luke doesn't give us the reason why Mary found grace with God. He just states it. The Bible tells us we have nothing to show to God to find his favour as humans, but that he, when we were his enemies, sent his son to die on the cross for us, as Romans 5 says. And the implications of, of finding favour from God will differ, differ greatly from Mary to us. But the personal experience of understanding grace from God as it talks to us in the light of the Bible is one that should impact us for the rest of our lives just as a baby did to Mary. We see through the Bible how God approaches different people all sinners who did not deserve to live in a relationship with him and shows his love to them by giving them a purpose in his plans. Secondly Mary believes God's word. Her encounter with God's word, again, is different how we usually encounter his word. Um, I've never had an angel come up to talk to me. There's a story, my dad says, tells a story of when I was about four or five and we had climbed a hill and I pointed to a, a cloud and said, Look, Dad, an angel, an angel, because it had the shape of an angel. And he, of course, has 
travelling around as missionary repeated that story embarrassing me forever um, that's what dads do but we do have the God, God's word written in the Bible don't we we have it there we can read it we can learn about it we can share it with other people we can memorise it we can question it and while we do all those things God's spirit will act in us to see that it is true and worthy of our trust Most of you have access to the Bible uh, at home on your mobile phones, on the internet. Uh, God can cause us to trust his word. But it's really hard to do that if we haven't read it and understood it. What am I expected to trust? Right? So I really encourage you to read your Bible during this Christmas. If you're not sure what to read in the Bible, you might have never done it before, never sat down at your place and opened the Bible and read it. Uh, you might feel you're not good enough to. You might have tried it and, you know, a week in, two weeks in, uh, no, this is too much, I can't do it, I don't understand it, it's a bit disappointing. If you're in any of these categories I just mentioned, uh, please come up to me or one of the ministers during morning tea. We'd really love to help you... Um, work at reading the Bible encourage you to do that thirdly Mary recognises her human condition before God this can be seen in two instances first from her fear at hearing God's word through the angel and then in recognising that she is the Lord's servant in verse 38 we are not equal to God Mary was not equal to God and she recognises her position before him as a servant before her master. That's, that's quite hard to do, isn't it? Uh, where humans are proud beings. Um, if you look at the world today, everything points in the media especially for you to be the master of your life. Don't allow anyone, anything to mess with it, that. But as Mary does, I also encourage you to think through which is your status, your condition before God. You might be living your life even using God in your prayers as if he was your servant. I want this, I want this. Please, can you do this? At least you said please, but yeah. You've got to think through what's our condition before God. Acknowledging that we are unworthy before him. So Mary finds favour with God. She believes in his word and she recognises her human condition for him. And all that, where does it take her? It leads her to praise God. What a way to do it. Beautiful, beautiful song. The spirit rejoices in God's goodness to her. And it's amazing, isn't it, how Mary um, full, sings such a contentful song. How the spirit led her to those few words that give us so much information. Through all this excitement, she can grasp the significance of God coming down to earth to save mankind. And she praises him for that. Now, just we should always remember that singing is not the only form of praising God. Uh, but we do see in Mary's song, and at least in my experience, um, when people put their praise into words, how it helps communities. Uh, you let other people know what God is doing in your life, how God is doing things in your life. It helps us live consciously 
of God acting in us. And it can provide hope for others, but in the same way that he acts in our life, he can act in them. So I encourage you to do that. It's not easy to start doing that if you're not used to. But you might want to ask somebody over morning tea also, you know, what has God been doing in your life in the last weeks? What can you praise him for? So where does all this take us? What should we do with Mary's approach as people have taken to Mary's song? Is it wrong to compose music to it and just treat it as a piece of art? Well, there's nothing wrong with singing words of the Bible. Um, There's nothing wrong either and it's actually good to be reminded of the hope we have in Jesus. But these two things must lead us to praise God for what he has done in Jesus. And how do we do that in Christmas? You know, so you're just walking into church today, it's a different place. Christmas gets everything different. It's such a hard time of the year. There's family, there's travelling, school event, works events, presents. I don't know if you heard of the, the guy, I think it was in China, that after five hours of shopping, threw himself down from a shopping centre for the fifth store. Just gone, gone crazy. And I was reading yesterday how... Um, Shopping malls during Christmas, shopping centres, uh, take people to their basic instincts of survival or escaping. So, um, taking Christmas as a personal experience, as Mary did. Consider these four things. Finding grace with God. Believing his word recognising your human unworthy condition before him and praising him for what he has done in Jesus. That will make Christmas deeply significant for you personally and it will praise God if you do these things. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church Podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.